into the area. Janček, stab through, chance, shot, goal! Full stop! Unbelievable scenes at the end for the derby! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, home of Scotland's number one, Craig Gordon, the greatest keeper in the land, Mark Donaldson? Since Henry Smith, I would say. Uh, Anti Niemi was, was up there as well, but great for club and great for country. And a great week for us. And and even you, I remember when we started this, I'm no like in Scotland, I don't care, I just like hearts. Now you're through getting pished in Glasgow, showing up at games that we win in the last minute. What's that all about? Yeah, when it comes to international football, I think I would be classed as a glory hunter. Uh, <laughs> a tourist. But no, it was enjoyable at the weekend and it was good to see Hearts number one and Scotland's number one performing and now reaching uh, 62 caps. So uh, next month, November, if he plays the next two Scotland games, he will become the most capped uh, player playing for Hearts, which um, I'm sure he'll be pleased with if he can reach that mark. Yeah, but it's, it's like when Craig plays for Hearts, there's not that concern like we used to have when we had some of the the, the flapjack wrists that we've had in the past. He just he, he's a steadying influence. And I thought it was telling as well that Andrew Robertson, um, within an hour of the final whistle, was posting on social media about how important Craig's saves was. And there was a big photo of the, the two of them. I mean, he, he's loved by club and he's loved by country as well. And I don't know. I mean, I briefly saw him today when I was up at Rickerton and, and we were kind of talking about if his career could have been like extended without the injuries or anything like that. But the other thing is as well, he might have played and and with the problems and not get as far as he's, as he's got. So I don't know how many he's going to play. He doesn't know how many he's going to play. I think we just enjoy him while we can. Indeed. I am Laurie Dunsire. That was Mark Donaldson talking about Craig Gordon, the main man at Hearts. Uh, but we're delighted to be joined by another Craig today, who's the main man at Big Hearts. Today we have Craig Wilson, who's general manager of Big Hearts, joining us on the show. Thanks, Laurie, and uh, thanks, Mark. And yeah, delighted to be here. And it would seem you put, I thought you were going to put me as an um, substituted in for Ryan McGowan, but it would seem that you've actually put me in line with Craig Gordon, so I'm not sure. Um, I think the <laughs> McGowan one might be more fitting, to be fair. Um, so uh, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Laurie, when you started and you were introduced, and this week we've got Craig, and I'm thinking, Levine? No. Craig Wilson. Much, much prefer um, to have Craig Wilson on this week because you've had a busy week as well, Craig, and we're going to speak about what happened on Sunday. Um, can I call it North Fetties rather than Pilton in that area? How, how are we going to go with this? Uh, yeah, I think you, I think Pilton might be more fitting, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will be talking about... If, if- See, if people listening have no idea where you're going with that one until later, then um, they'll be a bit lost. But yes, I, I think we're referenced to the game on Sunday, not Saturday, which was the 
Big Hearts Community Trust up against the Hibernian Community Foundation, a football fundraiser uh, between the two Edinburgh clubs, which we'll get to, which was uh, organised partially by Big Hearts on World Mental Health Day. So we will speak about that. We will speak about Big Hearts and the work that Craig and the charity does uh, and a bit about kind of mental health and the impact of that in terms of football and, and the positive and negative sides of the game. And we will also look ahead to Rangers against Hearts Ibrox this coming weekend. Right, first up, Craig, you know, apart from your, your job at Big Hearts, you are a Big Hearts fan. See what I did there? Um, so what's it been like so far this season as, as a fan, first of all, uh, you know, being back and seeing Hearts doing so well, it, it must be welcome relief for, for you after a very difficult period before and then the early parts of the pandemic and then lockdown without any football games to go to. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think everybody knows the, the 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 difference just in terms of you know we all ex- certainly in, in my case and, and you guys are the same. You know, football plays a massive part in your life, and um, no, no, you know, not being at Tynecastle, not not watching those games, and obviously, you know, that was alongside everybody else. To be fair, but um, the the difference it's made being back, and obviously the team beginning to perform on the pitch, and I think you know the general feeling. And I think we all get this from from being at Tynecastle on match day. Um, the general feeling is just entirely different now to what it was, you know, and 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 the not you know so distant past that it, mm-hmm. it wasn't like that. And uh, so I think relishing that is is fair to say. And um, you know, I think that that knocks on to not only the the supporters but but the various things that go on around the club. You know, and Big Hearts is one part of that, but. You know, when the team's flying on the pitch, um, I would never, I would never necessarily use it as an excuse for, for any reason for us not not doing our job correctly. But it certainly adds to, um, you know, it, it adds something that that you know that magic dust of the club's doing well. People want to talk about it. They want to be part of things, and I think that's when supporting your football clubs at its very best, isn't it? And it's certainly been like that at the start of this year. And I think it's a mix of return to football. We're playing quite well, and and people are rightly excited and can see a bit of direction, which um, you know perhaps hasn't been there, and again in the you know relatively recently. So uh, yeah, I think it's been great, and um, you know long may that continue. We're in October, and we're we're up there, and we're in a we're in a decent position, you know, going to Glasgow at the weekend. So just hoping that continues. Eight league games in, only club left undefeated. Near capacity crowds back at Tynecastle. Can't complain too much about it, that side of things at this stage. In terms of Big Hearts, uh, I thought we'd start off by talking about what happened on Sunday. Uh, as I mentioned just in the, the intro, it was a, a charity game. Uh, Hearts managed by Gary Locke, captain by Andy Webster, and I saw the likes of Ryan Stevenson, Ian Black, Neil Janicek involved. So talk us, talk us through um, the match in terms of how and why this was set up and everything that went into it. Of course, yeah. No, um, it, it's the first time we've we've certainly done something like that. Um, and the kind of big hearts and the shape that we're in at the moment, you know. So for the last six years, we've never we've never done something necessarily um, fundraising wise or events wise where where our equivalent at Hibernian. So um, nice opportunity to do that. Both clubs deliver um, pro, a project called the Changing Room, which is um, very much around mental health and positive 
you know, your, your well-being and, and looking after yourself in, in the most positive manner. Um, so that there's bits in common, of course, off the pitch that, that we would rightly um, talk to each other about. And I guess this this opportunity came up thanks to, to one of the kind of corporate partners that Utilita, and they'd said, you know, we'd, we'd love to try and put a game on. And uh, it was decided to do it around World Mental Health Day. So as much as it was about raising a wee bit of funds for for both um, both charities who both do you know um, excellent work in, in different parts of the city, it was also a brilliant chance to just raise a bit of profile around you know some of the guys you mentioned to you know um, guys that have had great careers and um, various successes at, at, at Hearts and and um, perhaps some of the Hibs guys would say the same. Um, and it's a wee bit of you know raising profile and talking about mental health, which. You know, I think we all know now is something that you'd always want to encourage. So that was the idea, certainly behind the game. And I think if you were assessing it based on those things, it was it was very much a big success. Where you know a decent crowd turning out, some good money being raised, and you know a fair bit of coverage over the course of the weekend, and and people talking about mental health, which is which is definitely a big positive. Yeah, we we won't get into the scoreline too much in the match because that certainly wasn't the wasn't the main purpose of it. But yeah, I, I mean, World Mental Health Day, which seems to be playing, you know, I think is a good thing. It seems to be playing a, a bigger and bigger part in our lives. This sort of awareness, and I think I read the this sort of tagline to it. it says it's it's aimed at educating people and spreading awareness about the importance of mental health and how one should never neglect their mental health issues. And is this quite an important thing for? for Big Hearts being, uh, I, guess, I guess, being a charity that is attached to a football club. And I think one from a community perspective, that there is a community that, not that you oversee, but that you are always linked to, but also because, you know, football fans who, I, obviously it's changing the demographic in recent years, but there's a lot of men involved in football who tend to be historically, I suppose, the people who aren't always is good about talking about those things or or getting help if they need it. Yeah, you're you're, you're spot on, Laurie. I think there is, um, I think more than ever, I mean, football's used now um, across the world, to be fair, as, as a, and, and it always has been. It's probably, again, just a bit more public now in terms of football being used for the greater good and the value that football brings. And I think in probably across um, certainly the UK in particular, the kind of mental health agenda around football has become a, a, a big talking point. And that's a real positive. You know, we've seen some of the, the biggest names and, and you know, football across the UK talking about their own mental health and, and perhaps some of the challenges that they've faced. And, you know, the, the difference that makes, I think, to the, and I can only say this from my own kind of um, experience in terms of listening to guys who you would put on a pedestal in some way, shape or form, um, you know, the fact that they can go through some of the things that other people can and other people have and some of the struggles, I think the difference that makes is huge. And I think, um, you know, that in itself is a, is, a, is a big thing. And I suppose a bit of, um, you know, having some of the guys we had at the weekend supporting us and, and sharing some of their stories around mental health or just being part of something around um, World Mental Health Day, I think is huge. And, you know, that would apply to all those guys who, you know, on the back of it are saying, you know, if there's anything I can do, I'd love to help. And, you know, I have to say that is the general response we get from most of those guys now is, you know, former players are really keen to help, current players are the same. And they're actually really comfortable at sharing stories about themselves, which I'm not sure would necessarily be the case 
going back, you know, even 10 or 15 years ago when, mm-hmm. you know, mental health wasn't as high on the agenda. So I think for us as a charity, that's a huge strength. Um, and, and obviously we would always look to encourage, you know, our supporters and, and people um, living in the communities that we work in to, you know, think about their mental health and ultimately to come together and talk about it and and make themselves, you know, feel better and, and um you know, be part of something at, at, at Big Hearts that can uh, that can make a difference to, to lives. And, you know, we've got some brown examples of that that's worked really well. And, uh, we, you know, I guess we're still at a stage where there's, there's so much more to do. I'm glad it's not taboo as it, as it used to be. It, it, it's like anything. Um, it, it's, a lot of things happen, but they're not really discussed in, in various walks of life. But for something like, like mental health, um, it's, it's now in the public spotlight so more people can get help. And, and we were speaking on the, the podcast over the last few months, I think with Lee McCulloch on and, and Robbie Nielsen was, was, was talking uh, like Lee was about some of the players last season who struggled to adapt. Elliot Freer had, had no one that he could go to um, because he couldn't get out of his flat due to, to the rules and regs during COVID. And, and he really struggled. And who knows? We, we, we'll never find out if it would have worked or, or it didn't work. But it's not just your, your common garden kind of draw blogs on the street or the man or the woman on the street, is it? It's, it, it doesn't matter how much money you've got. Um, it, it, it can be footballers. It, it can be anybody. And the fact that we're talking more about it's got to help, Craig. Yeah, you're spot on, Mark. I mean, I think that that, that is the, you know, all of the the research, all of the stats, the the experts. We, we'd always really keen as a charity to work with, with kind of, um, you know, expert partners who who know their things about um, about various subjects, and and we work closely with um, Sam H, the Scottish Association for Mental Health, on the Changing Room Project in particular. And you know, you just need to look at some of the stats and stuff that that, that get shared. And, and essentially, the best thing you can do is you know you, is is talking. And and for men in particular, I know you touched on that, Laurie, and um, you know, particularly for men of a certain age. Football is one of the things that brings brings us all together. And, you know, the, the guy in the street, the, the the person you maybe speak to fleetingly at, at Tynecastle, whatever, you've no idea the value that conversation can sometimes have. And uh, I think that's the that's the thing that, that we're, we're, we're probably better now, even the way you described it, Mark, about, about you know, Robbie or, or Lee talking about, you know, the challenges of the first-team squad. Um, they, they probably wouldn't have previously described that as being, you know, you wouldn't have necessarily badged that as mental health. You'd have just said, oh, they're struggling to settle. or they're... But the truth is, we, we would all be going through that if you were, you know, in a new in a new city or perhaps a new country and you've not got your family by your side and you're um, having to deal with a pandemic. You know, it, it would be natural that your mental um, health and your kind of general well-being would be a bit lower. And it's okay to say that. And I think that's been... That's the the bit that I think's refreshing and gives, you know, you would you would therefore hope everybody a chance in terms of, um, you know, come forward and 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 chat to folk and you'll you'll feel better about it. And there's there's so much help out there now that, um, you know, we we would certainly help you get to, um, or help others get to. And 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 sometimes that just that wee conversation with that person in the street can actually make such a such a huge mm. difference. I mean, in in any walk of life, there are ups and downs, but I suppose. When you're talking about this and you're affiliated or associated with a football club, I'm not sure there's there's many things that have more ups and downs than following hearts. Yeah, no, I mean the 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 changing the changing room project. I don't know. 
the, the whole idea, obviously, is using football as the tool to bring bring people together and and begin to share some stories about their, their mental health and some of the challenges they're going through. But of course, Hearts plays a huge part in that. So there's no doubt that, um, you know, perhaps at times in recent years, the group's been really lively on a Monday evening after the game at the weekend. And that probably helps, you know, having a strong opinion about football and having a strong opinion about the team the manager should have picked or the the player we should have signed or the one we definitely shouldn't have signed. Um, as, you know, that it brings folk together and that opinion of, you know, um, tell me your greatest 11 that you've watched as a Hearts fan and somebody else will have an entirely different opinion. And that's basically the conversation starter that, that we would be, you know, we, the Changing Room Project is all about doing in terms of bringing guys together. They've got so much in common around, probably around Hearts and, and it's a brilliant chance to meet new folk and, um, and take care of yourself a bit. And that's what the project's been really successful with. It's been delivered at Easter Road as well, um, and it's been as successful over there as you would expect. And and the project's now going to be delivered at um, I think twenty one venues around the country. So um, you know, a bit of a um, I think I kind of there should be a pride amongst um, Hearts and Hibs that they've, they've, there's this innovative project that's using football as the tool, and it's getting guys to you know it's making a difference to to folks' lives and that. Um, and it's just I, I guess from our point of view that's just the beginning. You know, there's there's um, there's no doubt that certainly post-pandemic mental health and um, awareness of some of the challenges that lots of people will face, you know, whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, whether you're young, old, um, you know, we've all faced challenges in the last couple of years that nobody could have um, even imagined. And uh, yeah, we've certainly got a, there's, there's a huge amount of work to be done with, with other age groups and um, groups of people. And, uh, you know, the change rooms certainly give us a good start with that. So yeah, really, really positive about it, and and uh, certainly that link to the club, you know, makes a makes a massive difference. There's there's no any getting away from that. You mentioned the pandemic, and of course, for pretty much everyone, this was a hugely challenging period, and you know, some more than others, but certainly it tested many people's mental health. Do you think, though, on the the sort of the flip side of that, that what it has done in the kind of the fallout for for want of a better word brought this um to the fore a bit more in terms of people are now more aware of um you know just how i don't know how problematic just day-to-day life can sometimes be for people it doesn't have to be a specific trigger it doesn't have to be a huge negative um thing happening in your life it doesn't have to be um you know a clinical sort of depression it can just be that sometimes things just get too much for people or they get down or life just weighs on them a little heavily. Do you, my, I seem to get the impression from just speaking to people and especially social media, it seems to, people seem to be much more comfortable about just even saying that on Twitter. You, you, you see occasionally someone just say on Twitter, having a really hard time of it just now, guys. And it's always a really, you know, Twitter can be an awful place sometimes. It can be very poisonous at times. But I find you see someone posting something like that. And what you'll now find is people who, only maybe know them as a fellow fan or a fellow football fan or just someone who they chat to on Twitter about what news and whatever issues, suddenly they'll go in and go, drop me a message, we'll have a quick chat. And I've I've done it every now and again, just like everyone does. Does it feel like it's changed slightly for the better in some ways, that because of how hard things were over the last kind of 18 months? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that sense is, is it, it feels quite different now in terms of, 
I think, and, and I don't know this for a fact, I suppose I can only draw it from some of our work, is that the pandemic probably was so much of a leveller that um, in terms of, you know, the challenges around mental health, it, it felt like we were all going through something quite similar or we're going through a challenge. Now, listen, that, that's not to, to downplay the fact that some people will have had, you know, um, really horrendous situations to deal with and, mm-hmm. you know, lost family members and, and all, the, you know, all the other you know, some terrible stuff that's happened over the, the previous um, period. But I think that for, for, for a lot of people, what the pandemic done, it, it just brought you to a level where you were potentially going through the exact same thing as your, as your neighbour or your colleague, or in the case that you described, the, the guy that you follow on Twitter that you might, you know, you might, um, you might get your news from or you might, you might listen to on something or whatever it may be. And I think that, that that's probably a good thing, you know, and I think the the... Certainly from, again, from our perspective, one of the things that you, you, you genuinely can't put a value on is the, that sense of togetherness that, the, again, the pandemic has probably contributed to. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're talking about, I think, um, over the course of the pandemic, probably a 30% rise in volunteers supporting us. Okay. Um, 8,000 people being supported across 2020, which is way more than ever before, way more volunteers than ever before. Um, and that's supporting folk in so many different ways. Some will have been around um, other end of the phone, um, you know, just having a chat. Um, other people potentially helping with food, folk giving their time through volunteering to make up, you know, pack lunches to go to local groups that were looking after kids who had, you know, key workers, you know, um, parents. And, you know, I think that togetherness just bring, you know, volunteering together, sharing stories together, talking about the challenges around whether it's your employment, whether it's your home life, it just brings people closer. And, and I think that's been something that the pandemic, you know, if there's, a, if there's any sort of positive to be taken from it, it's probably that added bit of community spirit again that, that maybe, you know, maybe was, was missing to a point previously, but certainly that's what, what we felt at Big Hearts and that, you know, the, the amount it offers a help we get from so many people who are linked to Heart of Midlothian Football Club is, is incredible. And we should be, you know, we should be really, really proud of that. And in the same way we are about being, you know, the biggest fan-owned club, you know, I would suggest we've got one of the most engaged supports when it comes to, um, you know, helping our the, the communities that our club kind of serves to exist in some way, shape or form. So we should be really proud of that as well. And I think that, that levelling off has, has played a huge part. Yeah, I was looking at the change room project. I know you mentioned it's, it's kind of been expanded and I saw last month the Scottish government announced uh, 100,000 funding to deliver it. It's extra time. They call this changing room extra time, which is going to, I think, it, is it Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen, Rangers that were the focal points of this in, in Scotland. So what the changing room and this kind of expanded project, so what what is this focusing on? I mean, is this... Is it kind of general chat? Is this a lot of people who you know, there is you know specific need for, I suppose, counselling, so to speak, or is it a mix of both? Yeah, I mean, I think the big message in, in the Change Room project is that everybody's got mental health. We would encourage, um, uh, and, and the whole idea of the project is bringing, in this case, or it's been the case so far, men together, um, men of a certain age, I think between the age of 30 and 64 is the kind of, key at-risk age in terms of the, the stats in Scotland, if you like. Um, and so Changing Room exists to bring men together to, 
you know, do a bit of educating around mental health because I think it's okay to also not be an expert and that, you know, that we should all be really comfortable with that too. Um, learn about your own mental health, learn about things you can do, learn about how you can support others, um, meet, you know, new friends, new networks, people to rely on um, and think about some of the tools that you might need should you find yourself in certain situations. And of course, the Changing Room Project has also helped you know, some people who, yeah, have got a, you know, a clinical um, diagnosis, if you like. Um, there's no doubt about that. But it's been equally positive for, for guys who've come forward and said, you know what, I don't really know too much about mental health or I've never even really thought about my own too much. But here I am and I've found this experience really, you know, really positive and great. And the extra time element is obviously... I mean, I guess it's a bit of the, the football analogy. It's just a, it, we're going to do more um, mm-hmm. is, is essentially the, the idea. So as well as there being the kind of 12-week changing room programme and various drop-ins at Tynecastle, there will also be a whole host of other activities going on that's designed to, to bring men together, but also perhaps to focus on some other key groups, which I think is really interesting and the right thing to do. And, and also... Um, you know, probably just make it even easier for folk to get involved. And again, pandemic, and, and you know this, Laurie, if you've been involved in some of the, the calls that, that we did um, in the early part of this year, you know, there, there, there's a different path now for people to get involved. You don't always have to be in the same room to make a difference to someone. And, uh, you know, there, so that there's, there's loads of different ways we can do that. And I guess the, the changing room and changing room extra time is about recognising that we know we can be a, a, a big asset and, and the whole network around big hearts can be a big asset to, to loads of different people and that that's kind of the the idea and um you know having some of the biggest clubs that you, you mentioned who are also involved i think that again you know is, is really positive that you know you would have and you've, you'll have seen this on social media as well where you know you you might have a really obvious hearts fan reaching out for saying they're having a tough time and you then get you know the hibs fan going on say you know you know stick in mate I'm here if you you need a you know somebody to talk to and all the rest of it and I think again you know that that for me has been one of my favorite things about the changing room is actually seeing that crossover between the two and and uh yeah mental health is such an important part of everybody's life and um it it doesn't matter the the color of the color of the scarf or the the team you support um the fact that you're you're out there reaching out to others and and talking about it I think is a is a big um a big positive so if someone was listening to this um, and thought they might want to, to to try the changing room or get involved, or what, what would they do? How does it work? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, along with the, the rest of Big Hearts work, you know, we're always open to talking to anybody. So I think that's the big message. You can jump on our website at um, bighearts.org.uk um, and there's information there about changing room. You'll see dedicated phone number that gets you through to the chap that runs that project and then um, there's also various ways of connecting to us you know whether that be you know signing up to, to get the newsletter and other bits and pieces that are going on but essentially that that is the big message around big hearts i suppose for anybody who you know is a hearts fan and whether they want to they think they can give something back or they think they can benefit to something or they think we should we could be involved in something else you know we'd, we'd always say our, our doors firmly open and uh really keen to be there and support anybody at any time in need so um yeah, reach out and, and get in touch and um, we'd, uh, we'd relish that, yeah. Greg, what other projects have Big Hearts got going on at the moment that fans 
might be interested to hear about or fans you know could get involved in you know you've mentioned before so many volunteers and such a big increase what are the big big focuses just now for you and for big hearts i think one of the things that uh, I should say is we, we've learned loads during the pandemic in terms of changing the way that we worked. You know, we, we had to overnight, like like everybody. And uh, what we've tried to do is come at the other side of that, having learned a fair bit, understanding more about the people that that we support and the people that are engaged in our activities, and um, and just looking at you know what that means for us going forward. So the 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 biggest thing for us um, now is 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 really just about you know, moving on for here, we're, we're in a really positive place in terms of being back at Tyne Castle and uh, most of our groups are now back there. We've we've launched some relatively new projects in terms of welcome through football where, you know, refugees who have literally um, just got off the plane from, from Afghanistan in the north to distant past, you know, suddenly finding themselves playing football at Tyne Castle um, to um, Off the Bench, which is a project designed for, for teenagers who are maybe... Um, you know, struggling in terms of what what comes next for them, um, and of course some of our our, our more um, established projects, the likes of Memories and our Kinship Care Program, continue um, and go from strength to strength. And um, you know, our big our big focus going forward is just to um, is to be there as much as we can and to recognise everybody as an individual. And I think that's something that. Um, we're really going to put even more time into, and, and that's something we, we learned lots of it during the pandemic. In terms of, you know, for the first time we were we were literally, you know, on folks' doorsteps and uh, you know delivering food to people and uh, helping people get kitted out with things that they definitely needed to be able to function. And um, you know, whether that was from a, a digital point of view or whether it was schoolwork or, or um, as, as I say, whether it was whether it was food, um, everybody everybody has different needs and different challenges at different times. And I guess what we see ourselves doing is a charity that's connected to you know a, a big football club in Scotland with a bit of profile is is helping you know make sure that everybody gets a, an equal chance and a chance to you know live the, the best life they can. And I guess that's that's what um, most of our projects are out there to do. I think. The one thing I would touch on is you said about volunteering and I, and I said about being really proud of the, you know, the, the football club element and the supporters who make such a difference to, to what we can do um, as the making the shortlist for the um, EFDN's More Than Football Award, which is, you know, amazing recognition for, for a charity like ours associated with, you know, a football club in Scotland. You know, we're on that shortlist with the FC Barcelona Foundation um, and you can imagine the, the amount of money that um, is behind that um, organisation mm-hmm. and obviously the profile. And, and we're on that short list. You know, the, the, the short reason and, and explanation for that is because of the incredible response of, you know, big heart supporters, as we call them, in terms of volunteering and, and, and being on the other end of the phone and help make those food parcels up and supporting older people at the, you know in their home and our memories packs and contributing to them and you know the list goes on that the that's the reason that we're getting that recognition and again you know to have made that list when they're, they're we're up against you know, 150 other clubs across Europe is is fantastic and recognition as I say of the, the amazing you know hearts fans who you know um as I say we, we we're we're you know really unique in that sense you know fan owned and 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 perhaps that that has the club an, e- an even higher kind of moral compass in terms of being there for supporters at time of need and being there for the local community at time of need and uh, 
yeah, we should be really proud of that. And I think that's it's worth just kind of dwelling on that and saying, you know, what a fantastic job, you know, some of those some of those characters who who kick about Tyne Castle at the weekend have 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 done and the difference they make to folks' lives. So um yeah, definitely a big well done deserved for for that you know, amazing recognition. Very much so. And you've now got a base at Tyne Castle as well. Yeah, we do. We do. It's the first time we've kind of had a dedicated indoor space for, for delivering our project. So for those of you that um, know the Wheatfield side of the stadium well, it would be what was the temporary club shop and ticket office is now kind of the home of the, the delivery function for Big Hearts. And it's it's brilliant. You know, it's a big um, nod from the football club in terms of how much they support us and saying it's really important. Um, the work that Big Hearts is doing is really important. And uh Given us that space, and you know, it not it not being of uh, any cost to, to us, and uh, you know, we've been able to turn that into a space that can work for you know young people who are um, you know in primary one and two and three, and, and want to run about a bit and, and cause a bit of chaos, all the way up to um, you know the the ninety two year old who comes to our memories group on a Tuesday afternoon and probably equally causes as much chaos. So um, it's uh, it's great to have a space that's um, dedicated again to. To serve in the community and um, yeah, it feels like a big, you know, it's felt like a big moment in time for, for the charity as well and a big, a big, as I say, a big nod from the club and, you know, Andrew, the, the new chief exec of the club and, and Anne Budge who had supported us, you know, hugely over the over the piece, um, making that happen for us is, is, is huge and uh, again, definitely recognition in terms of the, you know, amazing impact that um, ourselves and our kind of supporters have had. Uh, obviously, the, what what you're doing at Big Hearts and, and, and every Hearts fan, every football fan in general, um, is proud of, of their club. They do something with the community or, or charities as well. But you you spoke about the memories thing on a Tuesday. I love that um, because the, we all kind of know or, or have relatives that have, have reached a certain age, and there's like a sparkle in their eye if they like went to see Hearts or Hibs or whoever in the fifties and sixties and. The people that sit down with them, Craig. I mean, these these people are are fantastic. They 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 bring back. It's called memories for a reason. It's they, they they bring back things that they probably haven't been spoken about to the person that they're speaking about since since it happened or since they were in the pub at that time discussing it. And for someone to to kind of go back in time, talk about the the famous five at Hebs or the uh, the terrible trio at Hearts and everything like that. How important is that going forward and what else can be done so that you take that to the next level and, and hopefully get more people in, involved in that and help more people? Yeah, no, I mean, Memories is one of the special ones um, that, you know, from the, to be fair, the day one of me um, joining Big Hearts back in 2015, Memories was already being delivered um, and it was the project that you walked into and always had that. It in itself is magic, you know, these you know, the guys coming in and, and you know, you, you kind of touch on it really well, Mark, that people who, you know, we, we've, as you say, many people have been there with, with loved ones, you know, having dementia or really, really struggling and, and being frail and perhaps not being able to live the life that they once they once did. And, uh, you know, I've seen that, you know, you've seen it when the guys were, were getting kind of wheeled into the main stand and you're thinking, I'm not sure this person's particularly going to contribute. And then, you know, 15, 20 minutes later, that same chap is, you know, chatting away about the, the team from 1956 or the his favourite player for the for the 60s or whatever it may be. And, uh, 
yeah, I mean, it, it, it's one of those one of those special ones. And I, I, again, even across the course of the pandemic, Memories was obviously hit hard in terms of, you know, it's deliberately there to bring people together and, you know, a lot of folk who live on their own or are, are in care homes or whatever it may be. Um, but we switched pretty quickly to doing Memories packs. And, and what it meant was, you know, and to be fair, we distributed thousands and thousands of those. So they were going out every, every two weeks. Volunteers were helping make up these packs. So it was essentially your memory session in an envelope and uh, you know the feedback was tremendous again and, and loved ones being able to sit at home with um, you know with a relative talking about the, the you know the thing that they, they they love which is you know football that's the thing you know we have some wives of you know guys that have, that have sadly passed who, who still come along to memories because football was the thing that reminds them of their husband and, and all the rest of it and uh, yeah it's definitely one of the special ones and to be fair since we've been back the number of people engaged in it is um continues to grow and we weren't sure about you know how will people respond to getting back in a room together and but it's been fantastic everybody's been great there's obviously some rules that people need to stick to but um it's been brilliant and we're probably i think we're we're probably two weeks out from running a second session in the week so we'll actually have we'll, we'll have two sessions a week which means we can reach even more people hopefully you know care home residents being able to get back as well and um Again, the the kind of input from the likes of um, the likes of Lockie and others, um, former players, and and all the rest of it has been has been brilliant. And um, there's no doubt the the sparkle that that brings. And um, I guess the the one wee story I always like telling about memories was um, we had so so back um, a few years ago, Alex Young used to come to the group, and um, obviously you know one of the greatest players of his time, huge hugely known down south and all the rest of it, and. I think it was safe to say everybody else in the group was really aware of, you know, the, the Alec Young's in the room. Um, his son wasn't 100% sure whether he'd be able to sign autographs, and there he was, you know. And there was a kind of a kind of line of 10 deep in the Bobby Walker suite at Tynecastle at the time, which was, wasn't a huge standing waiting to get, you know, autographs from, from Alec Young, who himself was obviously going through a tough time. And, uh, you know, just one of those magical moments where... Uh, you get that that amazing feeling. And that's what football does. You know, there was that guy who himself was really struggling and he was sitting in the same room as the the chap he used to watch on the mm. on the terraces. And you know, I don't think you can uh, you can't put any value on that. And that's what families tell you about that um that initiative as a whole, to be fair. There was an interview, um, a BBC local TV news interview. Um, it was just doing Vox Pops in the streets and he, he was talking to just random people and Ultimately, he, he was asking about a, a derby game. I think it was Liverpool-Everton, perhaps. And um, the person he spoke to was Tommy Lawrence, who was, <laughs> do you remember much about that game? Remember much? I played in the game. And the sparkle in, in his eyes, for Tommy Lawrence's eyes. And I know we talk about um, Alec Young being, being there and, and others as well. I wanted, that takes me on to the kind of next one about the, the growth of Big Hearts. Because on your website right now, I mean, you started off small, you're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I've just read you've got 12 programmes, including the memories and, and the School's Out one um, about helping kind of and feeding um, free breakfasts and lunch, perhaps, for, for some of the kids and its local pupils that face social isolation as well. So whether it's that, even just befriending, that's where you are now. And of course, you should be applauded for that. What's next? Where? How do you make this bigger and better? Do you increase the number of programs or do you increase the size of the program numbers 
that you have. How do you take this on this kind of this curve that it's on where it started and, and now where it is to keep going um, on the progress that you've made? Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. Um, you just you sounded very like one of the board members actually to, to give you credit. Um, <laughs> the, no, <laughs> the the the, re, the reality is you're, you're bang on. You know, we 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 do lots of lots of good work at the moment. We do work naturally in a in a kind of specific area. Schools out's a good example where it's predominantly schools. You know, in the close um, proximity to Tynecastle that we focus on for good reason in terms of the stats around poverty and the, the Gorgie Site Hill Ward, for example, is the highest in Edinburgh. So it's natural that we focus our work there, certainly initially. But there's then, you know, the, 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 the big thing for us is um, how can we keep sprinkling that kind of bit of magic around football on various causes and issues and, and challenges? And ultimately, how do we bring it back to, you know, helping change folks' lives through football? And, and like, like you say, that can be done in a variety of different ways. I think that the, the thing that gives us great hope is the number of people that support us. You know, the um, as you rightly say, we deliver more programmes now than, than ever before. Um, the amount of fundraising that supporters have done, the, the hours that people give us in terms of that, you know, youth befriending or supporting the memories group or whatever it may be, um, is, is so important. And, you know, all we can do is continue to continue to grow that and continue to kind of shine a light and raise raise the profile. And, uh I think more than ever, you, you kind of get reminded of, you know, sometimes the size of Harps as a as a organisation of ourselves. You know, it's easy sometimes to downplay the size of the football club or the impact the football club has in our part of the world. And uh, you know, there's no end to um, the the possibilities in terms of the the reach that that you know Big Harps through that you know amazing um, football club, the the impact that we can have. So. That's the challenge. We need to keep, you know, we, we need to keep um, finding ways to do more to help more people, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll continue to do that. And and you know, if it keeps going the way it has, then then that will mean that we, um, yeah, we're we're impacting on on more folks' lives than, than ever before. I'm sure you will continue to go from strength to strength with the with the charity, and obviously the best of luck at the More Than Football Awards next month as well. Okay, moving on to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, who are back in action this weekend. Unbeaten the- Heart of Midlothian Football Club, please. Unbeaten Heart of Midlothian Football Club. Well, it's, quite, it's quite funny, Mark, because we're October 2021. Now, this podcast... Oh, started, I knew you were going to say this. This podcast this. started in October 2018. And in our first episode, our first pilot episode we previewed Hart's trip to Ibrox after <laughs> an unbeaten start to the season um, they were five points clear at the top at the time mm. um, and and we won the league that year remember yeah. <laughs> how, how long after that was it we were about 18 months after that we were um, heading down to the championship with obviously some was- Complications. Was the phrase arse over tit? Um, yeah, well, I mean, that game, before we looked to this one, it was interesting because I looked back and I watched the, the highlights of it and Rangers ended up being 3-0 up in just over half an hour, basically. Michael Smith was sent off in the second half and um, it was that game where less than three minutes in, Rangers had that free kick and Hearts had this 
terrible line where they tried to play offside at the free kick and it ended up being this comical moment where all the Hearts defenders basically ran at the pitch and Rangers had three players to walk the ball into the, the back of the net. Um, Morelos got a back heel, Arfield tapped in. So with just over a third of the game gone, Hart and Midlothian were 3-0 down. They only lost 3-1 in the end. Jimmy Dunn scored a goal at the other end, which probably made the scoreline wasn't too bad given the circumstances. But I look back at the team. So Bobby's Lamal and goals. Um, Michael Smith and John Suter both played in the back four. Jimmy Dunn alongside Suter. Demi Mitchell at left back. A very um, a, a lack of width in the middle with Stephen Naismith, Ollie Lee, Peter Haring, and Arnold Jume, and then Uche Igpiezu and Stephen McLean in attack. Now Hearts <laughs> are unbeaten again. Uh, October going into a game against Rangers at Ibrox. Albeit their second this time, nineteen points uh, for Rangers at the top. Hearts and eighteen points in second. We have won our last two against Rangers, albeit both at Tynecastle, although we lost 5-0 on our last visit to Ibrox, December 2019. And we've lost eight and drawn one of our last nine at that stadium. Uh, it hasn't been a happy hunting ground for us. And for, well, I say for us, I mean, <laughs> Rangers were unbeaten in the league all last season. They won 19 out of 19 at Ibrox. They scored 57 and they conceded four. I had a look through their, their games last season. Eight goals past Hamilton Ackies, five past Ross County, four past Aberdeen twice, four past Dundee United twice, four past Celtic. 23 league matches. They've now won 22 and drawn one. Now, I've, I've set this up to be very doom and gloom. Can you, can you lift me? Can you give me some posit- positivity? Yes. Yeah, most of those games were last season when they were good. <laughs> they're bang, they're they're bang average, but they're better than by being bang average. They're they're still better than most this time. But they're they're beatable or they're they're matchable. Um, Hebs went there with a belief uh, that they could keep the ball and pass it around, and that's what Hearts are trying to do the weekend. Because what that did when Hebs went there it annoyed the home fans. They were like, "It's their ball. You can't come here and do that." So that's what Hearts will try and do this weekend, I hope. Um, that will be the message from, from the manager, to, to keep possession. Um, and this isn't Rangers of last season. This is Rangers of this season. And there's, there's a lot missing. There's no Ryan Kent. Uh, sorry, Ryan Jack. Ryan Kent hasn't found the form of last season. But Arasic isn't the same after his injury. So you could go through all the Rangers players. They'll probably play a front three. I don't think Kamar Roof um, will be back in time to start. I think he's playing international on, on Thursday night, maybe for, for Jamaica, I think it is. So they'll probably go with a front three. The concern would be the three in the middle because they have three. Um, they'll probably play Lundstrom. They'll probably play um, Glenn Kamara in there. They and played a rebo and, 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 as well, didn't they? And, and Joe Rebo probably played just in, in front. So, so it was like a more of a four it was almost more of a four, two, three, one against Hibs. He's kind of shifted to that this season, hasn't he? Um Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's a four three three, four, two, three, one. But again, um I this is not the Rangers of last season. You can speak about all the games that they had, all the I mean, Motherwell went there, deserved the point. Hibbs went there, didn't get a point, but could easily have had more if Porteous um, hadn't become Hong Kong Fui um, for a split second. So we've got to go there and we've got to believe and say it every week when we go to Glasgow, 
in the past, a lot of teams have been beaten before they've even gone there. Cammy Devlin didn't sound scared, did he, when he was on the podcast talking about Rangers at Ibrox? He did not. Um, Craig, I understand you are one of the lucky, I think there's about 900 away fans on Saturday, which is 900 more than anyone else has had this season in the, in the Premiership. Uh, how are you feeling about this one? Do you feel this is a case that Hearts need to go there and try and take the game to Rangers to a degree? Because we saw the trip to Celtic Park in the Cup, which was quite the opposite of that, and, and the game was basically over by half-time. Yeah, it, it, it's always an interesting one. I, I, I'm somewhere in between with it. I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the game. Um, the chance to, you know, there's not been t- too many um, away days. And I think going back to, yeah, I mean, some people just don't like going to play the old firm. I would always think about the times we've been there and managed to seek a result and that feeling. So here's hoping that that, that can be replicated at the weekend. Um I think Mark's touched on Rangers are in a brilliant place and haven't been this season in terms of clicking. So to give you a chance, yeah, I think so. And I think we've looked like we've got a bit of, there's options there. So I think Robbie can mix it up. I suppose the, the one thing that I would, I'd probably pose this question of perhaps you guys and maybe the, the you know, other folk who will, I will probably see potentially moaning on Twitter come, you know, quarter to two on Saturday is, the, the team that, that Robbie ultimately picks and whether he does go, you know, bravely with a, the same kind of, we well, might go with the exact same 11 that started the last match. I suspect he might not. And uh, it might be somewhere else, uh, you know, and there might be the inclusion of, you know, a more defensive minded player somewhere. I wouldn't necessarily say that's the wrong thing to do though. I think the difference now is that we've got guys that can light up a game a bit. So mm-hmm. if there's a Barry Mackay on the park or if there's a, uh, a bit of magic for a Mackay Stephen or a Woodburn. Um, as long as you've got one or two of those guys on the park, I think we've we've got a genuine chance. And um, I think the middle of the park is is a really interesting one. I think both um, it, was, it was brilliant to hear Cami last week on the podcast and the way he you know his enthusiasm and the way that he's taken to the club um, has been brilliant. Um, Benny's been fantastic beside him. Does it feel like a huge ask if it's those two in the middle of the park at Ibrox? Yeah, probably. So I suppose that's the one thing that I would kind of pose the question around is do we we mix it up a bit to try and combat that? Because otherwise, you do potentially leave yourself open that if it kind of clicked for Rangers in the middle of the park, you would be, you'd maybe be up against it. But listen, I think the big thing is going to be how the game starts and, and hopefully we go there probably with that belief, regardless of the team, it's about believing that you, you know, the system and the the way the manager set you up has given you a chance to go and win the game. And here's hoping that's the case. I think, I think I'm someone in between like yourself as well. I think the Celtic game was one huge extreme of, of basically sitting your entire team 35, 40 yards from goal and just asking to, to allow a team like Celtic and Rangers would be the same to, to come at you. And eventually they're going to create chances and score goals. I think somewhere between that and just, going gung-ho because they do have some dangerous players and I think for me I guess the difference maybe with this team compared to you know the last team I, we had there albeit there was John Suter and Michael Smith I, th- I think in terms of organisation and as a unit I think we're a much better defensive team now if we do need to defend. Uh, one big decision Mark I think will be at the back I mean I, I would like to see Robbie Nielsen go with as much or as close to the same team as what he played last time as possible. However, it could be an interesting decision mm-hmm. if John Souter is fully fit, because we know Robbie Nielsen basically said 
you know, they could have risked them in the last game against Motherwell, but they felt they didn't need to because they had Taylor Moore and there was an international break coming up that would allow Suter to fully recover from, I think it was the thigh issue he was having. If John Suter is 100% fit, Taylor Moore is 100% fit, at the moment, who gets the nod if it's between the two of them? Suter. John Suter gets the nod over Taylor Moore. Um, Halkett and Kingsley keep their places. I think Craig touched on this as well, and and, and you, you mentioned it briefly. Does... Robbie feel that we need an extra body with Devlin and Beningamy. I think he's got two decisions to make if everyone's a fit and available. Um, I think it's Suter or Moore. And I think if Suter's ready, he plays. I think he, he's probably our best player as far as defending is concerned. So he plays. Um, Taylor Moore's an excellent backup and he, he knows that and he's been excellent. He's not put a foot wrong and it'll be harsh on him. But if you play Moore... You're basically saying, and, and Suter's 100%, you're basically saying you're preferring Moore for this game over Suter. So when do you bring Suter back in? So, I don't know. I'm, I'm playing Suter over Moore. I think the other one is, do you go Woodburn and Mackay behind Boyce? Or do you do you go with someone who's maybe not as offensive as as Woodburn or Mackay and slot them in there? I would like to see one change. I'd like to see Suter in for Moore and the rest the same. I don't. Gone are the days you make four or five changes from a side. I mean, you've mm-hmm. got momentum, and and it's easy for a manager to explain why players who aren't in the starting eleven are not in the starting eleven when a team keeps winning. So why would you make changes? We've found a system that seems to work. He'll work on on tweaks, well, and he, he knows how Rangers play. He's got an idea how Rangers play. So uh, for me, it's it's Suter for Moore, and again, you know what. And that's if Suter's 100%. If not, I'm going to see him again. I think that's fair. Uh, Craig, where do you think the game will be won and lost? And dare you make a prediction? Uh, as I say, I think the biggest the biggest thing we've got is you've got players that can be a threat at the other end. And I think that if you go back to that Celtic game that you're talking about where it looked like we just turned up to, to kind of wait for Celtic to score. Um, I think the difference now is those options in behind Boyce. Um, so the fact that you've got, you know, the, the last game, you look at the bench and, and there's a genuine strength there. And I think that, so for me, that if, if, you know, if we're going to go and win the game, then I, I suspect we'll need uh, a Mackay or a, or a Woodburn or a Mackay Stephen um, to, to show up and bring a bit of magic. And uh, yeah, I, I, and, I, and then I think, you know, the, the, you, you almost have to be um, you'd have to be solid in other places, of course. But I, I think the midfield is the bit that gives you a wee bit of excitement. You know, the, the way those two guys have played together, um, yeah, I'm not sure even the most optimistic fan felt that, you know, that those two guys coming in and, and playing together and obviously Devlin joined a wee bit later and, you know, the two of them have looked absolutely brilliant and, and um, almost from day, day one of being in the team for either of them. So, yeah, I, I, I think that that gives you a real confidence that you can go and disrupt what Rangers would like to do. You know they're not on top of it. And um, here's to, a, I don't know, a Barry Mackay goal with 20 minutes to go and we sneak a 1-0. <laughs> and then Halliday comes off the bench, scores an own goal and Rangers got an equaliser. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, do you where do you think the game will be won and lost? And dare you make a prediction? I'll make a prediction. I think it'll be one-one. I okay. think we will see. 
we're starting to see things we haven't seen for a while. We're starting to see the Scottish national team get lucky, um, as well as being pretty decent as, as well at times. We haven't seen that for a while. We're starting to see Hearts have a belief with mobility and, and players that are hungry to go there and, and show what they're capable of. So I think we forget about all your stats about Rangers win all these games <laughs> at home and, and, and whatever. And I think we see Hearts going there, not necessarily having a goal, but certainly nowhere near as defensive as the Celtic game. Um, I think it'll be Rangers 1, Hearts 1. Because the reason I, I'm, I'm hoping he, he goes with his three up top, Boyce and t- the two behind, that Rangers defence isn't anything special. I mean, from set plays, they are. Uh, I think they're, they're vulnerable. Um, and, I, and I think we can get at them. I just hope, Laurie and Craig, that come 4.45, 4.50 on, on, on Saturday, win, lose or draw, we can say we had a go there. That was, mm-hmm. that was what we were after and not going to lie back and have our, our tummies tickle. You know what? A defeat isn't the end of the world. If we go there and play well and it's not our day and they play really well, that's fine. You can accept that. I can't accept being beaten before kickoff, but I don't think we will be this week. Excellent. Well, I see. I was gonna say one-one, but now you said one-one. I'm gonna go Desmond. To, I'm, I'm, go Desmond. Two-two. No, let's take. Uh, I have to go more optimistic. Oh. I'm gonna go two. I'm gonna go two-one Hearts. Like Why in not? like in August twenty-four. Why not? Why not? Robbie Nielsen's done it there before, albeit there was a championship. Two-one. We can't keep talking about Alan Johnson's bloody hat trick or the goal. Was it Joe Hamill? I think on that Wednesday. Yeah, March twenty. March 2012, um, Joe Hamill uh, scored the rebound from the penalty, and Ian Black scored a, a really nice goal that day. Was it 2012? Yeah, the 2 1, that was our last top flight win against them. Yeah, wow. yeah 3rd of March what? 2012. Are you not talking about there was, there was a time with Joe Hamill as well? I don't know if you're talking about Jamie Hamill scoring, Laurie, but maybe you were talking about Joe Hamill. Oh, you're thinking of Joe Hamill's one? Aye, I, I remember Joe Hamill's one was a midweek game and we won one nil near the end of the season. Aye, game one. It was live on the BBC. Um, That's right. chipped That's right. Alan, McGreg- Alan McGregor was in goals. I remember. So yeah. J- Jamie Hamill scored there as well? Yeah, he penalty was saved and he scored the rebound, I think. That's in my 10-year missed. Yeah, that's fine. Well, <laughs> look, 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 I would, I would certainly take... A 1-1 draw, without did, a doubt. Yeah. Wow. Stephen Davis scored first. I mean, that's we've had a lot. there's been a lot of draws since then, has there not? Oh, there certainly has. But that'll all change. That'll all change at the weekend. Got to. But, it's got to yeah. change sometime. Why not this weekend? Indeed. Well, thanks for joining, Craig. It's been a, a pleasure to have you on. And obviously keep up the, the good work with Big Hearts. No, thank you. It's been great. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you for for supporting us as well. It's um, it's brilliant. And I guess that's the, the one final thing to say is people talking about Big Hearts on social media again makes a big difference. So the likes of you guys and the other podcasters who have helped us at various points makes a makes a huge difference as well. So so thank you. And of course, thanks for having me on. It's, it's been a pleasure. Yep, you can get Big Hearts on the website, bigheart.org.uk. And you can also get them on Twitter at Big Hearts. You can follow Scarves Around the Funnel on Twitter at Around the Funnel. And you can email us if you like podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. You'll be back in the States this weekend, Mark. Yeah, I'm doing um, doing severe commentary this weekend. Thankfully, it's on Sunday and doesn't go up against Hearts. So I get back Friday night, be able to watch a whole Hearts game on, 
on Saturday and next week, whether Ryan's with us or, or, or not. Um, I'll not be sitting with a bottle, a glass bottle of Iron Brew 1901 and, um, and a chippy. My wife came in, my father-in-law came in with a half a white pudding supper because she'd nicked the other bit and, um, and half a, a jumbo sausage supper. That was glorious. Um, but I was muted, so you didn't hear me guzzling. <laughs> Um, but I won't have that next week, so I'm making the most of it while I can. So, Craig, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate that, and, and, and good luck going forward, um, and hope your, your success continues um, the way it has been so far. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you both, and we'll be back next week on Scars Around the Funnel to discuss Rangers. Oh, yes, let's hope hopefully you don't have a bottle of Iron Brew, you have a bottle of champagne to Oof. toast a famous victory. Buck fast. So I looked through there, is it not? <laughs> <laughs> maybe for you uh, but whatever happens we'll be back next week <laughs> thank you for listening sitting on my own chewing on a bone a thousand million miles from home when something hit me somewhere right between the eyes Say